Today is November 8th, 2021. You are listening to episode 366 of the Gaming and BS podcast. This is longtime listener and first-time announcer, Harrigan, and I think we're in for one hell of a show. Cue the music, guys. Welcome to Gaming and BS, a tabletop RPG podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. I'm like, get Judy right. Glad everybody's here. Glad you all made it. That was really good, Harrigan. Thank you, man. That was a nice one. That was a good well, one. They all, Thanks, they've Harrigan. all been good. That was just, that yeah. was, they've all been unique and uh, really good representations of the people doing them. So that was awesome. Yes. Was very nice. Cool. So if you are interested in in introducing an episode of the, the, the show, head over to gamingmbs.com forward slash intro sign up. I have, as of this recording, updated the dates because Brett is going to be out next week, which would mm-hmm. be the 15th. 15th, yes. I think we have Randy, uh, old school DM, and he, I don't know if he knows, but if he s- says the date in his, it's probably going to be off by a week. But That's all right. I, I fixed it last week, so we'll be fine. That's true. But thanks, everybody, for participating. Thanks for Harrigan's tonight. So hey man, what did um how were you uh how were you fixed up for gaming since we talked last week? Anything I cool? ran Delta Green Sunday, wrapped it up. Oh, done. did you wrap it up? I did wrap it up. I had right, to wrap I it up. I couldn't keep it going. Body count, how many? How many? I didn't kill anybody. <sighs> I don't Sean. think at Delta Green you have to kill everybody. Yeah, but Sean. Was anybody near dead? Were, were they, did they fear for their lives at some point? Uh, well, were the besides, players like, "Holy fuck, we could die here." Maybe, kinda, sorta. I think I don't know. See, I, I had to, I had to bail out of the experiment, so I can't. I, that's the extent of shit I can give you. But did did you have fun? Did the players have fun? They said they have fun. Um, I did give. Well, there was a little bit of a debrief after the session on Sunday, um, because there was. I, I don't know if they knew, kind of the deal, like. They were, I think, taking a stab in the dark in how to resolve the scenario. And it wasn't the right one. And I say right one because when you play Delta Green, I even I was kind of telling them, we could wrap it all up. It could be an epilogue, prologue, epilogue, whatever. And if, if they don't rid the evil and the horror it just it might move and come up in two years that's one of the um in delta green like the original one the idea is the stars will come right there's nothing you can do all you can do is fight against it right and maybe push it back the end is coming there's nothing you can do right the stars will become right the great sunken city really will rise cthulhu the the dead dreamer will once again awaken and the world will be covered in slaughter and murder and reveling and killing. And that's it. Right. Nothing you could do about it. It's a nihilistic world that doesn't give two fucks about you. It is. And I specific to the scenario, though, I'm, is what I'm referring to. So literally. I'm just I, saying yeah. that what I'm saying is that cosmic horror piece permeates down where a lot of Cthulhu stuff. Staying true to that cosmic horror approach is that if you don't do it, quote unquote, right, you don't push it off very far. Or all it does is kick that. You just kick the can a little down the road yes. instead of like two years. You just kick it 
six weeks (laughs) (laughs) or till you leave or whatever. It's not, it's not easy to expunge. So I, I had a good time. I think I would have done things differently if I ran it again. I've, I told them it was my first time. I'm usually a lot better on the second or third. If I ran music from a darkened room, it would be a little bit better. Well, uh, a, a better oiled machine. This one, they're in a, what I was trying to convey to them is what they did in the last two sessions or three sessions were really moving things along. And when I brought up the time tracking piece, I wanted things to make sense in the game. And the only way it would make sense is if they did certain things, then they would kick things in motion. So, for example, if yeah, they went it. to talk to the cops, well, then the co- and they say, hey, coppers. We're FBI agents. We're investigating this missing person. If they do that, then the cops will know the FBI FBI agents, in air yeah. quotes, are investigating the missing person. <clears throat> if the cops have some twisted stake in this, well, that's going to get them to start doing things. But until they do that, the cops are just doing their patrols, right? And this is where, to our pre-show argument, Sean, this is where some of the art comes into it and the skill pieces on all sides, right, is when players do something that's kind of what you'd planned or kind of aligned with, or they say something weird out of out of sorts, they say it in the right place, they emphasize the wrong word, you're like, shit, what do I do with that? It could get, it could get pretty complicated. And that's, um, I think that from running an investigative game, I think that can be one of the challenges. Is when you you have clues and people should be putting clues together, and some of those clues have to come from getting people to talk or act, right, advertently or inadvertently. Especially with a Cthulhu style game, in my opinion, <clears throat> called Cthulhu and Delta Green. If you start rolling with it, the bad guys could the bad guys could fucking turtle up on you because you were too you were too brash, right? You waved your guns in too many faces. You shot too many bad guys, and then whoop. Suddenly, the church is empty. Right. The cult has moved on. Right. They've gone underground. They've completely abandoned everything. Yes. Damn it. You know, it, it, it can get weird. It can right. get free. And it, it's very, it can be very difficult to track the events. Because it's not like my guys in my, in my uh, Greyhawk game, they're just about to enter the two mores. Right. So they've got plenty of clues and options, ways to survive the damn thing um, and get them to where they need to go. They could still f- fuck it all up and. <laughs> <laughs> Go end up dead. Um, Kelly Nick's Paladin did two sessions ago, but that's easier skill wise, I think, on all parts to know what to do and how to play it. So, huh? Yeah. I, I love the fact that you did a debrief, though, dude. I honestly think I do more and more of that. Even I do it all the time now as a standing rule with my home group and every con game I run when I wrap it up. Thank you very much. I had fun. Any points. I think you liked or didn't like. And sometimes to get the story going or to get them to give me the feedback, as I told them the plot, because it's a one shot, right? So who gives a shit? So I say, hey, this is what I was thinking. You could have had, could have had. And sometimes you get some really good feedback that way. You know, yeah. Actually, I distinctly remember Eileen was in my Avalon game a couple of game holes ago. And I was telling telling the plot and she went, oh, yeah, that would have been a good thing for you to introduce for us. Shh, write that down, right? Because that helps. Anyway, I totally interrupted you. I'm sorry. Yeah. So we. It was a good game. 
It was a good game. I would do things differently. I explained some of the details and nuances about timing and how they were divulging more and more of what they were doing. I mean, hey, I can't have, you know, crazy meth heads attack you until people start realizing you're poking around in the wrong wrong areas, right? So that's I have to wait until you do that and you uncover it and poke in the wrong beehive. So yeah, they're um, they didn't split the party as often as I thought. So I said, you guys went and questioned a seventeen-year-old boy. All four of you, and you know, did it? You know, was it necessary? Who knows? It doesn't really matter. That's kind of a ma- minor nuance, but it is. Um, and it's and we, you know, Ray mentioned, you know, it's it's a better game somewhat because he liked he liked the bonds like when i would bring up bonds that would call them or they would have to call the bonds at the end of the the night or somebody were checking in on them for a longer term campaign i I, those come into play much more so to our earlier pre-show argument that is one of the uh nuanced components that from a mechanics perspective i love the fact that delta green introduced that that was something that i had done through trial and error on my own Mm -hmm. for for a number of years with different things, having those bonded NPCs or whatever, because you, you you get like a dependent NPC in Champions or even in uh, World of Darkness back in the day, would say, you know, oh, by the way, tee-hee-hee, the Game Master can fuck with you because you've got a dependent NPC. But it wouldn't, there was no mechanic really to drive it around. So you had to develop the muscle to pull it in. I love the fact from a mechanics perspective because it helps you not helps you not forget right kind of like clocks i have a different tool i've used personally but i love the idea of clocks for the same principle right it's hard to forget something that you've set in motion when you have those bonds staring you at the character sheet and you've got a list of them it's uh it's hard to forget that that's a dependent npc or there's dependence in some way there i like that i think it's really good too yeah i, I listen really to some tool. actual plays <clears throat> and i think Sometimes what happens is those get lost. I mean, they they are a mechanic at, at some point, right? Obviously, yes. right. You can forego sanity by burning bond mm-hmm. points, yep. right? Fine, but I think there it would be me personally. I would I would lean on them more, like as a role playing component. Like Brett has been gone for three days. WTF. Like, where are you? What are you doing? You shouldn't even be out where you are. Like the, you know, the the cared, uh, worried, significant other, you know, the guilt, roll on the guilt. You're missing your son's soccer game. All that stuff. All that stuff. Yeah. All of that stuff. All those promises you you have to keep breaking in order to save the world. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So we mentioned that a little bit and and said that that some of those components come in over time and and even immunity from, um, you know, loss of sanity due to helplessness, loss of sanity due to violence. Like you become numb as you take on those things over time, uh, making you a shell of a person, which is even more the Delta Green thing, right? It's all about those components. And I think in a one shot or even... I guess there's a debate on whether something like this is a one shot over multiple sessions. I think everybody would some type of agree that it is that it's it does doesn't bring out that richness in the game itself. Yeah, there are certain games with mechanics like that. I think to really it would be like um, hmm, 
running Forbidden Lands, as you've described it, mm-hmm. and as people have talked to you about it, and saying, I'm going to run Forbidden Lands, but it's going to be a dungeon crawl, right? It's a, a dungeon crawling is part of Forbidden Lands, right? Yes, yes. There's stuff in there, but you're not going to get all the other aspects of the travel and exploration. And in a four-hour con game, that's a son of a bitch to pull off, right? Right. <laughs> to have all of the bits and pieces at once, so, Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, no, that's cool. I'm, so, I'm anyways, glad it went well though, dude. Yeah, it's it's over. Um, and there you go. I, I'll I still have the audio. I'm going to release it. I don't know how much I'm going to edit a lot of it. There's probably some strange pauses and awkward silences and things of that nature that I would probably want to touch up. But you know, I mean, like I, it's a role playing game. <laughs> yeah. It's, well, and it's kind of one of those like, well, what do we do? Or yeah, okay, what do you guys do? And it's like. <laughs> so dude that happened that happened in my last Greyhawk game the guys were stuck in a spot and like I, I don't know what to fucking do yeah and I'm like well um let's take a break <laughs> they walked out went to the bathroom got a soda type of thing sat back down so what do you think I say all oh, happy I don't know what to do <laughs> <laughs> any other games for you besides that one did you get any Forbidden Lands in this week or no? No, or that's no? this Thursday. So oh, that's this Thursday. picking cool. up where that is. So I've got some things to put down, but yeah, that's that's all. My Greyhawk game where uh, they went through the part of the Return to the Temple, uh, Tomb, excuse me, Return to the Tomb of Horrors. They went through Skull City and went into the Black Academy and, and whatnot. One of the things that I, um, um, it reminded me a little bit of, we've talked about this before, my buddy Lenny, when he was running. Return of the Temple of Elemental Evil, the Big Money Cook Adventure, where Thrommel is this anti-paladin, like super powerful vampire who's like a boss monster. Just you know, he's basically treated as a monster in a room quite often. Um, at least that's how he's written. And the way the group approached, or the way the group would approach that part of the Temple of Elemental Evil, Lenny would have Thrommel like be more active and kick him out and the group would interact and do things differently. And he had, that was one of the ways that he helped to make that, um, that module that eventually that dungeon come alive, right? It was a living, breathing place. And that's what happened. So when the players went in and they started fucking around inside the Academy, they basically tripped some alarms. The students leave the, um, couple professors stuck it out. A few, a few hid so on and so forth. The mistress, the head, the head necromancer who's also a vampire, She's trying to figure out what she's going to do. So they have a plan. The bad guys have a plan. Like, okay, let's just feed them to a Sarak and we'll do this. Because this is for the glory of our Lord, blah, blah, blah. Because they all worship him, a Sarak, as a god. But they came to that after the players killed Drake, which is this very powerful, nigh undead necromancer dude. There's a huge fucking battle. They almost died. It's pretty brutal. But I like the... um, if you read the adventure, it doesn't, it, it doesn't, it kind of assumes that the players will try to sneak in, you know, figure things out, poke around quietly, clandestinely. But my players chose not to do anything like that, which was, I kind of expected they might do that, but they really went in hammer swinging type of thing. And uh, it was just, it was interesting because I, I had to pull back a little bit and look at it and say, you know what? <sighs> These guys. They're not first level goblins. They're not here fighting to the death. Hell, even my goblins tend not to fight to the death. So fuck it. You know what they're going to do? They're not brainless undead. These are powerful necromancers. 
that know that these player characters are a pain in the ass. Somehow they got in here. They're incredibly dangerous. I think we can get rid of them in a safe and effective manner and serve our Lord and undead savior, Sarah. Perfect. Let's try that. Yay, the player characters bought it hook, line, and sinker. So it's awesome. Um, we've only had had a couple had a couple PCs die. Um, and I'm going to I'm going to meta a little bit tomorrow when the guys come over for the game. I'm gonna explain to them now. Remember, you know, you know what this is. This says two mowers right on the cover. You knew that. I told you that's what it was. It's you're going to fucking die if you don't take care. Right? You've got clues, you've got information. We're going to give them a second. We're going to break down all the clues that they've come through. Their characters would be well aware of this. They've been talking about it in fits and starts. They've got all these different handouts and papers and things they can look through. I'm going to go through everything that they've gotten and so forth to make sure that they have the best fighting chance possible. Because otherwise, for me, it feels like it'd be a dick move. Just say, well, they forgot the thing I gave them on session one, two, or five. Oh, well, they forgot the thing the guess the or I told them that one time. <laughs> Too bad if they'd only remember that conversation ever happened. So I think even something as simple as, remember you got this from that conversation? Good. You remember this conversation? Good. Remember you got that? Good. And that little piece will get all the gears turning again so that they can make the best of all the clues that they have. Because I think, um, well, our grown-ups have lives and other shit going on. We have pretty good memories and guys are taking pretty decent notes, but it's, uh, I think it's only fair of me to give them a chance to remember everything because we've been doing it for like a year. And shit that they learned on session one is is absolutely applicable to, to, to tomorrow. They probably don't remember it. I do. <laughs> it's not fair that their characters wouldn't at least have glimpses and memories of certain things. So I'll just kind of bring it up and give them a, give them a chance. Fighting chance, you know. Anyway, that's what I got going. Gonna be a TPK. TPK. I kind of hope not, though. There's Last nothing to fight in the Tomb of Horrors. No, but there's a path for them there to is. get to no. the next to the next phase to the Fortress of Conclusion. They can get there if they follow their clues. They should be good. So speaking of following clues and games and all this kick-ass shit, dude. So BSRCon still going strong. We got any events coming in or no? Yeah, or where are, we, where are we at? Got quite a few events. I don't know what we're nice. up to. Maybe like a hundred or something. Maybe a thousand. I don't know. Oh Jesus, come on, you're making up numbers now. <laughs> One million. It's probably a million. I lost, I'll track million. it like a million. <laughs> I'll track it a million. Nice. <laughs> yeah, nice. some good events got. Uh Harn, Savage Worlds. Five Torches Deep, Nola Burt's favorite. Uh, uh, yes. I don't, there might be a DCC game in there too. Um, there's all kinds of stuff in there. So yeah, uh, 28th to the 30th online. Uh, go to gamingnbs.com. That's January. January, That's January. yes. 2022. Yes. Um, go to com forward slash BSERCON, B-S-E-R-CON, and it'll get you there. Um, event. Sign up is not open yet. Event submission is, and badge registration is. Event submission, I'm going to look at January. I should probably get a date and put down. It's going to open January, blah. So uh, I still haven't put okay. the poll up out there to see who's playing and who's running, but nonetheless, it'll be fun. So can people see the events 
So here's the deal, yes. man. So yes. people, they can, can they see them now? Like yes. if somebody, I haven't bought a, I haven't bought a badge. I get to see what's going out there. Okay. As far as I, I don't know if it's, if you don't buy a badge, but I know that if you do, they are there, they are listed. So here, so here's where I'm going is that if somebody says, boy, I think I'd like to go, wonder what games are going to be there. It's they're there. I think they could view okay. them without having a registration, okay. but they, or, or a login. I don't know. Okay. If you create an account, I'm pretty sure you can see the list of games. Gotcha. Okay. Good, good, good. <laughs> I haven't checked everything. Like Running a con is a pain in the ass. I'm just saying. <laughs> It'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Oh, It'll be fine. It'll be I fine. came up with a good idea. <laughs> yeah? I'm going to put in an event called uh, Paint the Paint Room. So if people yeah. want to sit at home and paint miniatures, I'm going to dedicate a channel in the Discord, and a Discord channel will hold 25 audio video participants enter the paint room shoot shoot the shit with other folks from wherever they are at any time it's just going to run the whole whole weekend in one room the paint room nice yeah so I if somebody go, wants I to go come, there and, and I, I should go there and espouse my uh don't pri- primings for pansies don't bother to prime your minis just paint them straight yeah i should go there and right. start i'll just start doing that yeah i'm sure you that. yeah that'd be awesome but it's uh, so if you don't want to run a game, but you want to still hang out with BSers and maybe sit down for a couple hours during your day, game, day, night, whatever, yep. and just paint and you flip on Discord and you're in that room, <clears throat> great. Awesome. Yeah. I'm always thinking. Always thinking. I'm actually looking forward to it. I've got, I've got the time locked aside, so. Just got to get through this uh, next week. I've got a hunting trip with my dad. So once I get through that, my life clean clears up a lot. So that'll be good. Anything else, man? We good? We're good. Let's get into random encounter. All right. You, sir. Segment of the show where we field emails, voicemails, comments from social media. Got a few this week. Um, a lot yeah. on Save or Die. So. Figure that would spark a bit. You yeah. start. All right. First one is from E. Armstrong. YouTube comments on maintaining tone. So the last most recent episode that we did. Yep. Great topic. Brett and Sean. I've had personal experience with both sides of the coin on this issue. My first experiences with Pathfinder started with everyone build whatever PC you want and I'll make it work. Oh boy. What came next were a bunch of PCs who barely worked together and constantly fought while the GM was hurting cats trying to get the party to move forward with the game. Every time I think about it, it gives me hives. (laughs) <laughs> thankfully, I thankfully I started learning about session zero and trying to get uh, to set a tone for the games that I run. Um, there's been a lot of trial and error, but I feel like I finally struck a balance between what kind of PCs the players want to play and the game that I want to run. My current D and D five E campaign that has been running for two years. We originally dubbed it the Disney Princess campaign. All of the players had female characters except for one. I was skeptical at first but the druid is an actual badger. Most NPCs treat the badger as a dwarf in a fur coat or a ritual gone wrong, but it was made clear at the beginning of the game that he's just a walking, talking, giant badger. It's off the wall, but working with the player made it fun. Awesome. See, I can see that. Oh, thank you, man. That's that's good stuff, that's, yeah. Armstrong. Thank you. I like the fact, I, I can see how that conversation goes. So he's like, hey, I want to do something different. I want to be a badger. And the Armstrong's like, you want to do what now? <laughs> right? You can see that conversation happening. I know how it would happen at my table, type of thing. And I'm like, that 
if it sounds like you did it right insofar as everybody's having fun they have a good time with it and it's just it is gelling and i like that i think that's one of the coolest parts about session zero once you kind of grok it start using it and figuring out how to make it work for you all these different options you hear about on session zero talk about this talk about that organize this write this down copy this everybody sign in blood about that once you figure out how to make it work for you which is again takes practice a little trial and error it's a really great tool just to get the expectations set and make sure everybody helps to maintain that tone which is so hard to do so good work man very nice stuff are you good sean shall i uh, yeah go ahead all right friday mcbutterpants i love that handle ways it on save or die <laughs> i like save or die personally i really enjoy grittier games i have no problem going into a game knowing that my pc can die doesn't matter if they're first level or 10th level that tension you get from knowing that your character might not survive this encounter is exciting i actually get quite bored with games without serious consequences don't get me wrong i don't go into games looking to kill my pc i want them to live through the campaign that said i'm more than happy to lose a pc to a memorable death I do have a problem with save or die if it isn't handled properly. Brett mentioned this at the end of the main topic. You need to telegraph that shit well in advance. If my PC opened the door without warning, was immediately faced with a save or die roll, that would piss me off. At that point, I'd have no chance to save my PC. One roll determines it all now. Uh, now, if I was given warning ahead of time, then I can make some preparations. I don't, I don't expect to be told there's a Medusa in the next room. That kind of warning sucks. It gives me too much to work with. Small clues can go a long way. Finally detailed statues of people and creatures set randomly in the room is plenty of warning. It's my job to pay attention to those clues and figure out what to do. I now have time to consider what my PC should do before taking another step. Saber Die probably works better with experienced players and experienced GM. Experienced players are more likely to recognize the signs they've seen them before. Experienced GMs will do a better job of foreshadowing the challenge and building tension. If you don't want death to come without warning, I think that's where you run into the turtling and table flipping players not being given enough warning that they should watch out and prepare you know farty that's exactly why at the top of the show i talked about greyhawk campaign the guys are going to step foot into the tomb and i'm going to give them the the, the talk now remember this is blah 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 right just kind of set the stage make sure they go through all their clues that they're ready and i think that the um that's where some games with like flashback mechanics, right, can be very, very helpful. When somebody said, "Would not it?" Uh, I don't. Know, I don't have a good example. I could see a flashback mechanic, like from Blades in the Dark, Sean, that you and I played, helping out as kind of retrofitting clues and whatnot. Because it, it, it is a challenge for someone to how many clues did I put out there? They put on enough clues, all the different clue by fours that you drop, and tickets and things you leave on the ground, and hoping the players pick up on it so because uh, sean i talked about this a number of times off the mics too is sometimes if you're relying on people to make dice rolls to get clues that's it's not gonna work too well sometimes because you're gonna have that one group that's just ice cold man their dice are terrible or whatever which is one of the reasons why gumshoe exists right i don't have to worry about that shit i'm gonna get my clue type of thing but that said it does it does take some experience to, to clue it out there and i do find that a little bit of foreshadowing something that indicates how dangerous shit can be. Um, so when the undead attacked in the last uh, Greyhawk game and my druid, uh, my buddy druid lost a level, um, he went, God damn it. I went, how many experience points did you lose that? He goes, 20,000 experience points gone. <laughs> like, ah, that sucks. And Bill's like, yep. 
back on the grind. You know, he just he took it in stride. Like, that's just what you do and so on. But everybody knew that. They knew the job was dangerous going in, what the ramifications were. So anyway, good stuff, Farty. Thank you very much. Yeah, Over thanks, to you, Sean. Thanks, Farty. Gabe weighs in on Save or Die. Personally, even in my old school games, I found Save or Die as written too harsh and unrealistic. In most cases, especially in the natural cases, centipede bites, attacks that don't involve magic. I've adjusted it to save or you are going to die. A failed save usually results in toxic shock followed by unconsciousness. The characters isn't uh, isn't going so well. Uh, a lot of clammy sweat and shakes. Very shallow breaths. This person is in a bad way. In these cases, it's up to hopefully the other characters in the party to decide what to do for their fallen comrade. Usually it involves getting them out of the adventure location and seeking medical or magical help. I love that, Gabe, because to me, that's another way to introduce the Saber Die mechanic, another way to clue and foreshadow a bit. Wow, it's dangerous when the horrible poisonous centipedes bite you. Yeah. Wow, okay. If we ever encounter them again, we will act differently, right? Not that you have to um, go right for the throat on the second poisonous centipede encounter, but people will treat it differently because the characters have now learned something about the world and what that means mechanically for them. I like that. I think that the saver you're going to die. I think that's kind of neat. Gives you an opportunity to react, do something, but there's um, there's a clock started. Tick, tick, tick. You just hear the egg timer just ticking away as you're trying to figure out what to do for that poor sucker who got bit by the centipede. I like that, man. That's good stuff. You good, Sean? I am good. All right. I'll move on. Harrigan chimes in and save or die. I remember my players being terrified of giant scorpions back in my old AD&D days, specifically because of their save or die poison. A lot of PCs died at the hand stingers of giant scorpions. In games that are supposed to be deadly and gritty and that both encourage and reward smart play, I dig the mechanic or some variation of it. Like Gabe, I tend to prefer something that puts you on death's doorstep and forces actions from others to prevent the worst from happening. I quite like the Black Hacks version of this. It's basically save or be out of action. And that out of action table has a one in six chance of the character dying. It also results that <clears throat> will see PCs maimed and disfigured as well. Permanent attribute damage. So bad stuff, but not, ju not just immediate death. I'm generally down with what Farty is suggesting as well. Telegraph the danger. I'm not a big fan of relying on the player's knowledge of the game lore. Just knowing that such and such is a creature that can do X to you doesn't interest me. Like the PC's learning about how venomous the swamp monkeys are from the witch that lives in the giant mushroom at the edge of the moonwood. Makes note. Use swamp monkeys. Um, last comment. I don't run straight up D&D, but if I did, there wouldn't be any raised dead spells or the like. So that sort of puts the point on Saber Die as well. The PCs can just be brought back. No big deal. I think that robs the mechanic of some of its power. One of the things I have found in response to the last commentary, one of the things I found is that the my crew does not have access to raise dead spells. They just don't know anybody who can do it. The best they've been able to muster so far is a reincarnate. They brought one, um, one NPC fighter back, came back as a Wolverine. And uh, recently the gnome died and came back as a bugbear. So that's, that's the best that they can muster at this point. They're not high enough level to have access to it. And um, the other thing that I've done in that space is I enforce the, um, 
the rules for spell components or some of the some of those more powerful ones, the raised dead, they're, they're not easy to do. They're not like just cast it. There's a ritual or time and so on and so forth. So but anyway, like I like that I like that thinking there as well. I forgot about the black hacks out of action and that little D6 chart. I've seen it. I know of it. I just don't I did not remember it. So thank you, Eric, for bringing that up. Something you could bolt on. Absolutely could bolt that on. It's a good it's a good bolt on too. For sure. Because it's not going to require a lot of um, overhead, you know? That's pretty good. I like that. Yeah. Over to you, sir. All right. Ray Otis writes, You guys seem to question the usefulness or appeal of this episode in the closing minutes, but I just want to chip in and say I enjoyed it. I thought y'all did a good job of discussing revealing an element of old school versus new school without arguing that one is better. To my ears, you neatly sidestepped any gatekeeping or value statements. I say revealing because many gamers in the hobby today have never experienced save or die. A cold exposure to such a mechanic might leave a player feeling cheated or dumbfounded, but it is ultimately a different mindset and a different type of game that is worth understanding and experiencing. Uh, Difference is good, right? Experiencing different styles of play is good. Thanks, Ray. I like that. Yeah, thanks, Ray. That's awesome. I think one of the other fun pieces... This just came to me while you're reading Ray's thing is sometimes having uh having an NPC fall victim to the save or die, like right in front of the players. I don't know if we mentioned that on the show or not. But um when the farmer's like, Yeah, it was oh, and they keel over dead, like, holy fuck, they died? She's dead? Yeah, she's dead. Holy shit. How'd she die? Well, she failed her save. What? You could fail a save and die? Fuck me. You know, it could totally change the uh change the approach by the players. And it's another clue. It's another uh, foreshadowing method that um, scares the PCs, if you will, or makes the players take notice. But it doesn't um, force you to have to sacrifice a player character to do it. So Awesome, awesome. Let's see here. What we got at Spook408 comments on Save or Die. Another thought-provoking episode. Personally, I hate the instant death save sort of mechanics, but games with without it are missing something. Threat. When I used to play AD&D, I did appreciate the feeling of surviving a fight more than I do in 5th edition. Don't get me wrong, I prefer the more durable characters of modern games, but that comes with a cost of a certain level of excitement. Why would so many willingly give this up? Because the games we play are built for us to be the heroes, and we like it. It's baked into many many modern RPGs. Benny's, Fate Points, Inspiration, Flashbacks are just examples of this. Games that feature these sorts of mechanics are more cooperative in their storytelling. By my thinking, that is by my thinking that is a good thing. So I do not lament those tension-provoking mechanisms. Mostly, when I first started playing AD and D, I thought of myself as a protagonist rather than the hero. After all, what book has the hero die as many times as I did? <laughs> even Game of Thrones has nothing on me. Yeah, I, I'm with you. <laughs> um, he finishes up here. This mentality of being the hero is a different sort of fun that I generally prefer. That said, I'm running a first edition AD and D game, and remarkably, no one has died yet. But as we all know, it's only a matter of time. Wow, I do love the tension that game has. <laughs> you know, Sean, that Spooks 408's comment there on tension, I think that's a topic we got to bring out. We've talked about a little bit in horror, right, about bringing tension and so forth. But the um, death is one type of tension. Like in a combat situation, and D&D is very combat heavy by the mechanics and, you know, fight monsters, right? That's one of its core things. Um, it can be difficult to to invoke tension, right, without fear of death. 
you could see it kind of in um, some games. Certain players, I think, could use use slash need the tension for an engagement purpose more than other players. Some players are just as engaged whether their character, quote-unquote, can't be killed. And other people are like, eh, I can't die anyway. I'm going to check my phone while this fight's going on. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, interesting. I got to think about that. I like that idea. Thank you, Spook408. That was good. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for commenting and everything. Appreciate it. Let's get into the main topic. Let's do it. What are we talking about this week, Brett? So, Sean, one of the things that you came up with in your favorite uh, side project podcast um, was, (laughs) was the... Having more than one set of expectations or desires at the table, right? So you might have that one. This kind of goes to what we just talked about here, right? You've got one person who doesn't care if their PC dies early or often. Another one doesn't ever want them to die. They want to tell the full story. You know, they only want a dramatic death or no death at all. And some people are like, look, it, it, this I, I came here to kill monsters and take their stuff. Other people want to role play. They want to talk to the monster and convince them to give them their stuff or any, or any multiple permutations. And um, it's often, I think, very easy for us, Sean, to focus on the bad player, quote unquote, at the table, right? That person who's just, they're just not getting along well, they're difficult, whatever it is. But I think there's, um, there's an art and a style between players as well as game masters, but I think players have a stake in this too, around how do we deal with that? Because if you've got four or five different gamers there, they may have all signed up for the session zero. They may have all agreed, right? But the devil's in the details. And once it hits the table, then things can get a little weird, right? And somebody's like, oh, when you said uh, Saber Die Mechanics, I thought you meant like sometimes, not like every session. <laughs> or, oh, I thought you, um, I thought we said we'd have some good role playing opportunities that, um, you know, the rest of the group wouldn't be mad at me when I role played too much right so i think sometimes the the multi-expectations multi-desires at the table can sometimes lead to um we as game masters and players anybody at the table honestly starting to, to think this one person is a problem player right because they're oh it looks like they are slightly different or they have slightly different expectations you know when in fact it could be more than one person with this you know having this conundrum, if you will. So, Sean, do you uh, have you run into that, man? You got a table full of folks and different goals, different wishes, different approaches. They, they all signed up, right? So it was all opt-in. Yes. Yes. I think so. I don't know if it's been as um, – it hasn't been in a while in my face, I don't think. Like if I look okay. back at some of the games that I've run and been um, a participant in, I haven't run into them. I mean, the only long-running game that I've had for a while now is is the Forbidden Lands group, and that's I, I haven't run into that yet necessarily. So, so let me ask you this: Are you doing? So, when you say that, I kind of th- I kind of figured you would. So, I'm leading you down here a little bit. But you tell me you're doing this like the Stars and Wishes thing, right? You're yeah. getting regular feedback from the from the Forbidden Lands players. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong here, is that a newer regular tool for you? 
It is the first long-running campaign I have implemented it. Yes. Would you credit that as being a helpful tool in this regard? Oh, yeah, for sure. And I the did, reason, and the reason sorry, is, well, and we kind of do it, I mean, we do it online. And mm-hmm. if you read the stars and wishes and how it is kind of to, to be facilitated, you go, you're kind of supposed to, I think, if I recall correctly, you're supposed to kind of go one you know, one person at a time around the room, player to player, give me one, goes around, GM participates as well. And then it's it's the wishes component. So when you do that, everybody's kind of involved. We, we do it too. It's just like, here's all the things I loved. Here's all the things I loved. And some of them are, are the same exact thing, right? From one player to the next. Yep. Um, I don't participate as much in them because I'm using it so that I can run a better game to, for me personally. It is supposed to be a mutually thing. Like the GM isn't on an island in this process. It's they're not true. No, to be. I like that. Yeah. They're not supposed to be. But the only reason, the big reason that I'm doing it is to make sure that what it, because Forbidden Lands is, I mean, it's not a linear adventure for me. It's what do they want? And it's a group that I haven't played with for five years. Yeah, and they could say, you know what? Um, yeah, we're gonna go left. We're gonna go east until we run out of food and see what happens. They they could do that to you, right? I mean, they could they could hop a they could hop a um a hex and keep rolling, you know? Yep. And so making sh- and I think it's a pulse check because the first campaign I don't think went as well as it should have. And I've learned a lot. Like I'm I'm currently doing a YouTube video on running Forbidden Lands, kicking off your first campaign. So that you can mm-hmm. learn from the mistakes that I made, which was probably not giving them a lot to sink their teeth into, honestly. Like, why are we going to adventure? Well, it's the blood mist and it's gone. Okay, sounds good. Let's go northwest. Okay. <laughs> probably, <laughs> Sean, you probably need to like, hey, man. A little, you know, little bit more. A little yeah, bit more. Yeah, give yeah. us some stuff to, to sink our teeth into. So, you know, this time around, it was like, yeah, I'm not going to sit you in a site. You guys are going to meet out in the wilderness and I'm going to give you... One or two rumors, however mm-hmm. you get them, right? Either passed down from generation to generation or a story or a legend or something along those lines. And if you want to pursue that, well, that's personal. You know, that's totally up to you. And if you want that's to share that, yep. well, it's up to you. <clears throat> but at you. least yep. you have it and you've got something to go off of. So one of the things I, and I'll say this out loud just so everybody hears this clearly, you have a mechanizing approach to what you do, the different tools and things you're using, Sean, which I, which I admire because what I do through my history of running games and stuff, is just, <clears throat> it's a thing Brett does. Brett right? just like, does his shit and <clears throat> his players go, Whoa. no, but what happens <laughs> though, is that without a mechanized approach to it, we were talking about this a little bit earlier is that sometimes the, the risk is that it's hard to remember to do the thing, right? Sure. <clears throat> so if you have a mechanism that you build in, so one of the things that I, I also started doing a while back and this is, um, it, I had it going for a while and then I dropped it. And after my Warhammer first edition campaign blew up in my face through some player problems and just issues and stuff. And I've talked about it here. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what I'm missing? I didn't have a term or a, or a mechanic or a, or a package name to say stars and wishes. I didn't have anything like that. Right? I thought I'm not asking them at the end of every game. I'm not talking to them out of game enough. After the game, I'm not getting feedback. 
I don't have a loop going. And I think <clears throat> to keep the expectations set and the desires and make sure people are getting what they want, yourself included, and we've joked about this for what, seven years, is like talk to each other, right? right? <laughs> that's, right. The, that's the big thing. <clears throat> so I found that since that time, I'm like, no, fuck it. I'm pulling the loop back. Every time I had the loop back in, we had a session. Guys, I had a lot of fun. You know what I really liked? I would start off with. I really liked that cool thing that Zave did. Man, he pulled that freaking wand out there. I can't believe he paralyzed it. No, he petrified. He petrified the goddamn dragon. I can't believe he pulled it off. Yeah, man, I forgot you even had that. That was pretty. Yeah, and I like the other thing you did too. And I start the I like conversation going. <clears throat> and everybody starts chipping in with shit they thought was cool. And then, so I've got them in a good mood, right? Things are cooking. I say, yeah, guys, I, you know, I really thought you could have died here if you had made a bad decision or whatever it was. Then I get them talking about decisions that they made, stuff they <clears throat> enjoyed or didn't like, or just get them talking, right? And from my group, I found their personalities are such that that's when the stuff that they like, yeah, boy, I really, I wish that would have happened. Yeah, it would have been cool if I could have charged that dragon. It would have been wicked cool. If that had happened, Brett, man, if I'd have known that, I never would have done X. So it's, I think it's a similar, <clears throat> it's a similar mechanism. Mine's just more open social because I know these people. I've known them for a, a very, very long time. But I think <clears throat> a more organized approach like yours with a newer group is probably a better way to go because it's it it's designed and specifically built to help elicit. An effective type of feedback, right? I yeah, did I mean, if they bit. want something and you don't know what it is, your it's gonna yeah. your campaign's gonna probably suffer because of it for some reason. Or Absolutely. you gel, or you just know somehow intuitively because you've played with them long enough. But I mm -hmm. mean, if they just tell you and you're like, "Oh, okay, they want more dungeon crawl." Well, I guess I should probably get <laughs> a dungeon, dungeon, you know? Like, yeah, exactly. Duh. Exactly. Yeah. And it, it's so, when you started laying out for me, so I'm using Stars and Wishes, like, oh, okay. So I look it up, like, huh, interesting. How's he using it? Mm -hmm. You explain it to me more. I'm like, well, fuck, that's actually pretty cool. And I think I did it, I did a similar version of my kind of little loop back, just talky theory when I ran for uh, you and the Third Floor Wars crew was after, did you like that? What parts did you like? I feel like this was okay. Did you like this piece? And one of the things I've found in that format, when I want to see if I'm doing something right, is it working? I'll tell people that I was worried about a thing or I thought that went well, but I don't know how to read you. You know, Craig, let me know what you thought there. Did you like that or not? And Craig would say something nice like, oh, hang on, dude, if you really don't like it, you got to tell me because I can change here. You know, we're, we're at a good crossroads. We can change up how this flows a little bit. You like more, you like less. <clears throat> Where are we at? But I think that open dialogue flow is okay. But I don't think, kind of like a session zero, right? Where we come into a session zero and say, hey, it's going to be Call of Cthulhu. We're going to play it in the 60s. It's going to be in this town, this place. And your characters need to have <clears throat> all these backgrounds and stuff, right? So I build this out and here's how you go. Everybody buys in. But when we're getting the feedback as it goes on to see are those expectations and desires still happening, I think in lieu of having a group that I've played with for over 20 years, like my guys, 
I can have more of a free flowing conversation because these are like some of my best friends, right? Sean, you and I can have this conversation. I've known you for a long time. We could just banter back and forth. We could figure out what we like or don't like. You just say, man, I fucking can't stand. I'm on my fifth character. One more saber die, Brett, and I'm done. <laughs> right? You could say that to me. <clears throat> but with a new group or a group you haven't done this before, I think that's where a having a formalized discussion not to make it like Robert's Rules of Order, but saying, hey, guys, you know, I'm going to ask you some questions. I want to find out is there something I'm doing right, something I'm doing wrong. Um, what, what, what am I missing? So I, I think there's some there's some serious power in the formalization of it where um, it can eventually turn into a free flowing conversation once you get to know the group and it's working, whatever. But I wouldn't hesitate to still lean back into it, Sean, you know, yeah. where if it's, it's going really well and I say, you know, hang on a second, you know what, Sean, you've been telling me you really like it, blah, blah, blah. Are you sure what your character want to do? Yeah. You know? Yeah. The, <clears throat> the thing is, is that if we do it online and we, and if you do it together, then everybody's hearing the same thing. Like they're all at the same table talking about it. So even if somebody says, you know, I don't like, or I really like this part, Another person said, I really like this part. Then they can hear what the other people have to say. So if somebody says, well, I hate dying all the time. And another person's like, I don't care. You know, another thing with this group is that although I think there's probably, I think they all feel comfortable coming to me and telling me, but I don't know that. Right. And at, over time, it'll get to that point. But some people will be more vocal than others. They, they'll put things diplomatically. They'll come to you and say, you know what? I probably would have handled this a little bit differently. Or, you know, um, you know, one thing that you might want to consider is X or Y. I don't know if you looked at this or looked at that or whether it be rules or setting. And the others may want to bring that up, but they don't. So it also evens the playing field in that regard where you're saying, look, like this is how this is what it's there for. Somebody brought it up over the weekend. They were like, oh, roses and thorns. I, I, I use roses and thorns, which is fine. It's just another kind of method, and, and it's similar. The only reason people prefer stars and wishes over roses and thorns is thorns tend to get more on the negative side. So then it's- it's, a, it's It has a negative connotation, right? It correct. It means certain. In some groups, I'm like, no, it's totally fine, man. I'm playing a vampire game. Roses and thorns just fits the whole goth vibe. Let's deal with it. Sure. I, I think the other- one of the things I like that you're talking about here is I see a couple different methods in the use of it. And uh, let's talk about it is like collaborative effort, right? So everyone's there together right. online, in person. You're collaborating back and forth. And so, and Sean says, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And Eileen goes, you know what? You're right. I don't like, you know, this is my third character. I really am tired of blah, blah, blah. Ooh, click, click. Two, three people have said that, Brett. Keep a, keep a note. Keep a note. Stop fucking murdering people, right? Moving on. Um, however, sometimes depending how people are, some people are like, uh, they don't want to, they don't want to say no, or they don't want to disagree. This is where sometimes depending what people's personalities are and how they want to interact in that type of social collaboration. I think an option that I would put out there, especially if you see a person or a couple people at the table hesitance, they've got reticence, they don't want to share anything negative, right? Or they only are agreeing all the time. These are just social cues in, in for Brett anyway, right? Saying, so, you know what? I'll tell you what. Um, if you do come up with something, we didn't talk about it here. That's totally fine. We've got a week till the next session or two weeks. Hit me an email. Send me a text. Do something that way. I'll, I'll, that's totally cool too. I'll respond to you. I just make sure 
look at the goddamn chat room or whatever it is I'm supposed to look at, private message me, however it's supposed to be. But I think that's another good mechanism <clears throat> where when you're working with people, some folks are very, they want to talk about it as a group. And um, sometimes some folks aren't. So my buddy Alpha, um, he's a quiet guy. Um, and did you like it? Yeah, no, it was fun. It's pretty cool. If I catch him privately, one-on-one, sometimes he'll say something. Hmm. Or I'll send him a text. I said, hey, man, you know, I think this is going well from your perspective. You were kind of quiet at the game, and that's cool and all. But I was just wondering if you thought of anything. They'll hit me with a text. Say, hey, hey, man, yeah, I've actually noticed. Blah, blah, blah. Cool. Thank you. Very good to hear. Um, and I, I, I know Alpha. I've known these guys a long time. But I think that ability to um, be open to both open to both pieces, right? <clears throat> the private conversation, the email, the text, the IM, and as well as the larger collaboration piece. I think that's important. So, Sean, what would you do or how would you take it if if you, would, let's say you forgot or you hadn't thought or you hadn't thought about it and, and a player said, hey, can we do this? Does that sound, would that, how would you, would you welcome that? Or be like, ah, shut the fuck up, you're a player. Don't you talk, tell me how to run my game. Well, You're hard ass first of all, I would look at him cross-eyed for even just broaching the subject if it weren't in the formal sense and the forum wasn't co- you know, correct. Yeah, you just reach across the room, grab him by his tie and say, speak when you're spoken to, maggot, and throw him down. I mean, <laughs> some things can be effective more than others. Some things, yes. You know, I think it's, uh, as game masters, we need to take that in stride and you know um you know perfect example is wayne is in the group and he's he says he's more visual so visuals will help i haven't done a lot of visuals um and it probably hasn't some of the things that i'm coming up with it's hard to get visuals because i'm saying hey here's a corridor it's got four guardians in it this is what it kind of looks like so going on the, the great google image search may not find what exactly i'm looking for but nonetheless, there, I, it's warranted. But I don't know because somebody w- would like to see that. It may not always be easy to accommodate. That's not to say <clears throat> that he's unheard or it hasn't been considered necessarily. And, yeah, I think and there's other and there's alternate ways to do something yes. too, right? So I'll just pick on this in this case. You could say, well, I can't get my images up, but I could draw. Like I don't want to use a grid because I don't want to get into grids and, and movement here. But I could draw like a quick circle for statues and the arrow, blah blah blah. Right? Maybe that helps. Sure. I, I think you're dead right though. There, there's a piece here. <laughs> you know, I've talked about this in the professional life. Someone um, previous place where Sean and I both worked. One of the favorite things I would get from people was they would produce a presentation deck and it would go out for a quick review. People want to see it. Now we'd get everybody and their brother would have feedback. And um, I would go through the presentation. I'd show it up there in front of uh, 30, 40 people, however many people are supposed to be in the room. And somebody, no doubt, would raise their hand and say, I noticed you didn't bother to put my feedback in there. And I used to try to tap dance around it and be nice. Oh, I must have missed it, whatever. And finally, I started saying, well, it, I'm not required to use all feedback. And it didn't really help the flow of the doc. So I would just say that type of thing, and which would shock shocking a lot of people like oh my god he's so mean um i think that we don't want to be mean to our players or to our game masters but i think a piece of setting expectations and desires going forward it's a good place to reinforce session zero like look we agreed we're playing purist not pulp type of call of cthulhu this is how we're running it 
in Trailer Cthulhu, for example, with that Pierce Pulp and other and modes of play. And I think the newer version of Call of Cthulhu probably does too. I can't recall offhand. <clears throat> like, look, we're playing this, this style. Um, yeah, but it turns out I really don't like that. Okay. Hmm. All right, this is a good way to like bring out, I think, <clears throat> it's not to shut people down and say, shut up, like or lump it. But to have the conversation and say, look, okay, maybe this game isn't for you then. Right? As opposed to harboring a resentment or getting some anger or frustration built up. It's a good way to break the ice and say, remember, that's what we signed up for. And that's the type of game we're running. If we change that, we really need to change it for everybody. And I'm not averse to having that discussion, so on and so forth. But just because you provide a list of, hey, desires or things you would like to see or, hey, could you change X or Y? You're not going to you may not get everything you want. Right. <clears throat> and I don't think the game master or other players need to um, just change everything up to meet everything, because at that point, it, it might be just a mosh pit. And it also could lead to some very um, <laughs> kind of catastrophic headbuttings of ideas and things that just don't gel. Um so I, th I think that's important as we talk about expectations and desires, um, regardless of how we do it at, at the table or away from the table using those type of tools, Sean. I think it's that's important that people realize exactly what you said. It's not, you're not going to get everything all the time because right. we can't do that. It's just not, it's not, it's not feasible or reasonable. And going back more to the <clears throat> subject at hand is that session zero is a beast. Like I was saying Saturday, um, a whole book should be written on session zero. There's tons of different ways to approach it. There's tons of things mm -hmm. that Absolutely people right. are going to skip and miss. And they only look back and say, damn it, if I only, I don't know why I had a session zero. It didn't work. I mean, even if you have one, things could fall apart. I'm, I'm signed on. Yep. And then rubber hits the road. Things fall apart. For some reason, somebody forgot it, misinterpreted yep. it. It wasn't stressed like when i said i like combat i meant i like combat every day every hour you know on the hour oh yeah, if we don't go fight to fight to fight to yeah. fight i don't even know why oh I'm here. <laughs> that uh, kind of like you like combat yeah. oh my bad yes so yes. it's the the stars and wishes are are nice as things start to go forward but at the same time when you're talking about even in session zero, I think there's a we miss. Hey, what are what are kind of table stakes on this thing? Like, what can we all agree on that are is going to be a good time for everybody? Because what's going to happen is you're going to have the role playing gamer, you're going to have the tactical gamer, you know, and they're going to be at the table, and there's going to be mm -hmm. differences on scale for some of those. And then what happens yes. is you're like. Ooh, that session was so fun. We never rolled a die. It was all role playing. And then the tactical person that might want to do some combat and moving some miniatures around, maybe busting out the map of the grid, is like, I play a barbarian. I'm not social. I want to bonk things. I spent four hours listening to you guys talk. Talk, yeah. talk, 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 talk. What a crap game. What a crap session. So it's like this weird balance that everybody has to kind of say, all right. And then the game master has to kind of go, all right. And I got, you know, five scales here and I need to put. How do I keep them all equally weighted? Yeah, yes. all these chips down on the, you know, <clears throat> shift this one over here, over there. Oh, yeah, oh no. And, and as they start to tilt, you got to kind of fluctuate. 
And mm-hmm. that's, I think, where some of these things like, hey, I don't mind if my character dies all the time. Like, I'm good rolling them up. I don't mind a different backstory every two yep. sessions. And then there's the person that's like, I never want to die. That's not why I play role-playing games. So somebody would say, well, then they're never going to be welcome at my table because that's just dumb. If they can't ever die, that's ridiculous. Which is like, that's spewed out on Twitter and all that stuff. But that that's just a style of game that they want to play. And if you like yep. them and you want them in your game, then it's something to, to consider. And as a game master, I think you can have it come through. But how do those dynamics change between the players? Agreed. And I think part of it from a player's perspective, one of the things I've done in the past with my my home group and even with um, <clears throat> with newer groups I've played with is when we would have the post game and somebody would say, God, that was a lot of fun, blah, 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 blah. Man, we really learned a lot of information, so on and so forth. And the tactician would say, yeah, it's kind of boring, a lot of talky-talky tonight. And the group, the the people who had a lot of fun doing the talky-talky would feel abashed. They'd be like, oh, shit, this person didn't have fun. And they feel bad because right. suddenly those folks, because they're cognizant grown-ass adults, are like, oh, or just, you know, thinking people, feeling people, empathetic people, like, oh, crap, I made this game, this person's game terrible. What I would try to do to help them say, well, we did have a whole lot of fighting last time. So we did need a little break from the fights. Yeah, you're right. You're right. We did. Yeah, yeah, you're right. We did. Yeah, right. And I'd be like, hey, man, it's D&D. This could be another fight. Or, hey, don't forget, you got all this information because you're going to break into the, you know, Gen Corp place. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that next section's breaking in, right? So, um, and, and the same with a player who's like, man, I really, you know, I really wanted to talk to him, but we had to shoot everybody, of course. Well, remember, this person kind of gets their, you know, passing it around, if you will, right? Sometimes that type of reckoning, if you will, or, hey, remember, Sean got to kill everybody. Brett got to do his talky-talky. Aline got to use all her special skills. Ange did this, so on and so forth, right? The other piece is that I, where I think Stars and Wishes is, is handy is that there is a, I think the cool thing that it, it may help somebody do is keep the balance in mind. Because the person says, no fight. Hey, can I please fight? Hey, can I please fight? Hey, asshole, I really want to fight, right? So they're broadcasting to you the things that aren't happening that they enjoy. <clears throat> the other thing that is very helpful, this is where as players, I think it's a muscle then when we, when Sean, you and I talk about what makes a good player, I'm... I am working on this myself when I'm playing is that when something is happening in a piece of the game that I do not like, right? Somebody's really enjoying the fuck out of some piece of this game that I'm just like, whatever, can we please get to the the cool thing? There's a big fight built up. I'm just in the mood for my fighter to just punch faces, you know, but I can't because the face, they're out there doing their thing. You know what, though? They're having fun. They're having a hell of a good time. I will let the good time happen. <clears throat> the other thing I've I've learned is that while I'm having fun, is that I try to keep my fun within a reasonable time frame. And I don't know what that is. It's hard. It, that's a muscle. I think some of my uh, my group are better at it than others. 
And I've seen some people who are amazing at it that I played with at, at con games where they, they step up, the light, the limelight hits them, and they go, bam, for like a predetermined time, then they're, and I'm done. And then they fade back and pass it over. You know, it, it, I think it's we the, have to. It's the wait staff's <clears throat> ability to understand when they need to go back to the table to see if you need anything it's, more. Uh, yeah. <laughs> when to take your order, when to bring out the appetizers. Yeah. When to check your drinks. Like a good staff in hospitality has got it down to a science. And I could tell you I experienced one recently where it was like, their clock is way off. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you, one of my favorite players who's really, really good at it was Tom Flanagan. Every time I played with Tom, for the Avalon stuff, whatever, when Tom, when the light hits Tom, he uses it. And when he's done, he, he quits. <clears throat> pass other people have he likes to set other people up so that they can have fun right he doesn't have to be and i know it's not um that's a, just a style that he has he's really really good at it <clears throat> and that's a piece i think practice is is required but that's a <clears throat> excuse me that's a that's a piece i find from players perspective that i need to work on and i think sometimes other players when they get it they just they start chewing scenery it, for whatever reason, like you got to let it go. You got to stop. And as a game master, like you said, watching it and going, okay, smash cut. That's one of the reasons I started using, before I even knew the term smash cut, I started cutting away from stuff. I'd be like, hold that thought, slam, and I jump over to the other side because I want to pass the light around. I want to give everybody a chance to do the talkie talkie, everyone a chance to get into the fight, whatever's going on. So, um, that, that takes time and effort to figure that type of thing out. But I think as uh, as players be cognizant of how much time you're using up, we had a four-hour slot. Were you talking for over half of it? Was most of the game all about you type of thing? You know, that was cool. Maybe next session, shut the fuck up, <laughs> right? Or at least pass it pass on being rude, but, you know, pass it along, you know, type of thing. But I, I think that when the desires and expectations are mixed when it becomes painful is when the one person feels that they're not allowed to have equal time, right? It's a lot of it comes down to equal, fair and equal, right? Hey, I came here to fight, you know, uh, fight for the Galactic Empire. And um, all we're doing is talking in bars about fighting for the Galactic Empire. Could we please fight for the fucking Galactic Empire? You know, yeah, where's the action? Yeah, where's the action? I was promised action, man. Does that make sense, Sean? From a kind of a cog- be aware as a player? Oh, yeah. No. It's not easy at all, I don't think. Got to be self-aware. Some some folks aren't self-aware. That's usually where you got to in- inject yourself as a game master. One of my favorite things I, I saw a player do one time, I was at a con, I was running a game, and um, running an Athlon game, and there was a player who was very verbose. They were just having a great time. And I could see this one player wanted to do something and she couldn't break in. And I'm like trying to find a way to stop this conversation, politely not be rude. And the person sitting to the, to the lady's left raised his hand, like obviously raised his hand. I said, hang on a second. Yes. He said, Oh, I'm sorry. As soon as you, I'm just telling you, I, I've, I've got something I, I want to do as soon as this is done. And he put his hand down. And it's, and the, the person who was taking up the time, they were just loving it. They're having fun. They didn't even realize what they had done. They're like, oh, my God, like, 
You know what? No, actually, this is good. This is good. I, I had enough time. That person stopped. I went to the gentleman who raised his hand. He had a very minute, silly thing he wanted to ask me. And then at the end of it, he said, hey, I think I think she's got I think she's next. It was just a nice player to player type of thing. So I would encourage people sometimes a, a hand raise. And because it, it's that universal, I have a question person, you know, sir, madam, professor, I have a question here. And then the person talking, you just say, hold on a second. Yes. And they will say, I, no, I, I'm just I, I want to be next because I've got something. And that is a good cue, I think, socially speaking, where you're not going, well, you shut the fuck up because I want to go. When will this be over? You're not verbally interjecting. You're raising your hand, which is quiet and peaceful and just saying right here, I, I want to be next. And um, I just I saw that at a con. It, I just it just came back to me here, Sean, as you were as you were talking there. I think that I, it was wonderful because the gentleman did it for the for the for the uh, woman who was sitting on his on his right because she just couldn't seem to she couldn't stop the conversation and she was trying to figure out how to get attention. I was trying I wasn't doing the best job. Yeah, I wasn't. I should should shut it down differently, or whatever. But that simple hand raise. But oh yeah, this is perfect. Hang on a minute. I have a question in the back. Type of thing. It was wonderful. So I think that's just a tactical thing that you can do sometimes. It's pretty helpful. For sure. Anything else, man? No, I don't think so. Okay. Let's move on to die roll then. Die roll? Okay. Let's, do it. Let's get in. Yeah. Die roll. Two to four yeah, miscellaneous be- points of gaming and geekery we want to share with you. We've got one, two, three, four, five. This uh no, four. That looks like five. Four final answer. Four the fifth one's a, a link. Oh, well then. So, uh, let's see. Where am I here? Why is that not coming up? Uh, we got we Cthulhu go. Hacks 2nd Edition. Cthulhu Hack RPG 2nd Edition Kickstarter. Thanks for here again for pointing this one out. It's uh, fully funded and has 19 days to go as of this recording. So, if you are interested, it is a derivative, uh, if I'm not mistaken, of the Black Hack. Interesting. So, yes. Very cool. So check it out if you like Cthulhu and or the Black Hack. The next one, Time to Kill, solo RPG. Sean purchased this. I think I want to do an actual play of this. You know why? It's a solo. You know, I think you can get your own schedule sorted out. Yeah. You should be able to pull this off. Yeah, sure. Why not? Why not? So, um, so everyone has their moment. Sometimes you got to wait for it. So it's uh, got some interesting mechanics, and you are basically okay. So I want to read the premise because I thought it was pretty cool. Um, you are a hitman waiting in a hotel lobby before it's time to do their job, hmm. and uh, they've got time to kill before it's time to kill. So as things progress, as you're sitting in there, you have your doubts and maybe not. Comes, oh, through, okay. comes through play. Uh, so, you know, hesitancy or maybe seeing things clearly, you'll do your job with cold calculation. So I'm going to check this out. I got it downloaded. We'll see. There's uh, the the other one is a thousand year vampire. I think is the other one that's been pretty popular. I think it won or was recognized for re- awards. I don't know if it was up for an any or won an origins award, Necess- but it's a friend of mine's playing. It. It's a journaling type of solo RPG. Okay. Uh, and I've heard good things about that one. I'm not a big vampire guy, but I might look into that after this one. We'll see. But 
Very Anyways, cool. Yeah. Next one, itch.io. Why am I on this page? I don't know because this is the one where it is. So a mutual aid bundle. Um, there's an individual that's looking for some help. And so there are a bunch of indie folks got together and have offered up like 59 different titles um, of RPG RPGs or zines or supplements that you can scope out for, you know, I think you can get everything for like 25 bucks. Yeah, nice. So there's some peruse that. We'll put links down below and in the show notes for all these. And then lastly but not leastly, I think Mr. Saul's Weedle pointed this one, which is Nave Second Edition um, by Ben Milton. So if you don't know who Ben is, he does the Questing Beast YouTube channel and came out with Nave. I don't know how long ago, but now it looks like he's uh, considering a second edition. He has a Patreon that's set up for it. So if you're interested, check him out. Um, I'm sure on his YouTube channel, he's done a video on Nave itself. It's a fantasy RPG, uh, and he's considering doing a second edition. So there you go. Very nice. Some love to those guys. So, yeah, what are we talking about next week, Brett? Nothing. We're going two weeks. Two we'll be weeks. talking about two weeks because 50th we're off. But the next week we're back, we're going to be talking about setting your system. And what I'm talking about here is kind of what's, um, what's the most attractive to us, Sean, when we go to grab a new game system or whatever it is. And part of the reason I want to talk about that is, is that as we start looking at different stuff, you know, what's drawing us to things initially. And um, it's, I've got uh, some thoughts on it. For me, it's games I don't have to bolt shit on for. That's weird. I didn't realize how lazy you were. <laughs> Just your lack of creativity astounds me. It has no your it has no ending. It's like a bottomless pit of no creativity. For those that don't know <laughs> what we're referencing, uh, Brett and I had a pre-show conversation. Yeah, you gotta see it on YouTube if you want to check it out. <laughs> okay, but anyway, we want. I'll talk about that next time. So okay, in two excellent. weeks we'll see you all then. In two weeks. Two weeks. All right. Excellent. Well. Thanks for everybody that has joined us uh, during the live recording here on the YouTubes in the chat. Thank you very much. Good to see everybody. Hope everybody's doing well. Otherwise, uh, give us a like when you see this thing or subscribe. And then you can, of course, find the audio version of this at our flagship um, podcast. Just take up your podcatcher of choice and look for Gaming NBS and hit subscribe. Otherwise, I think that is all that we have for this week. So for Gaming NBS, I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good gaming all. This episode of Gaming BS produced with help from the following BSers. Joe Swick, Old School DM, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Eric Jeppesen, Andy Hall, Chris Steele, Jason Hobbs, Mark Tasaka, Mirko Froelich, Pure Mongrel, Brett Bozinski, Brandon Barnes, Eileen Barnes, Dan LaValley, Victor Wyatt, Craig Huber, Roger Braslett, Stefan Dragonspawn, Jared Rasher, Ray Otis, Jim Fitzpatrick, Old Scoozer Roleplaying, Christopher Lang, Curtis Takahashi, Larry Hout, Ron Bishop, Mark Richmond, Chad Gleeman, Sky, Craig, Howard Bishop, Josh Wallace, Corey Welch, Angus, Eric Salzweedel, George Sedgwick, Robert Nemeth, Laramie Wall, Erica Villa, Andy Olson, Jeff Seifert, John Kayward, Corey Gonzalez, Maurice, Nile Diamond, Aaron Ralea, Jeff Goad, Aaron Coleman, Brian Rumble, Rich Wishon, David F. Baylog, Harrigan, Melissa Bashinsky, Henry Newcomb, Cole Kago, Eric Tavola, Hoos Carl, Ghost GM, Mike Hesh Jr., Rory Weston, Jim Ingram, Daniel Garrett, Eric Frankhouse Presents, Phil McClory, Adam Grotejohn, Jay Plata, Ed Nyes, The Duke in Purple, Isaiah Aries Christian, 
Larry Hollis, AWOL Trooper, Craig Shipman, Todd Sharp, Orcus Dorcas, Chris Shore, Michael O'Hallen, Wayne Peacock, Mike Coleman, Miniature Master, Kevin Keneally, Zagrave, Bordak, Barty McButterpants, Andrew Lear, Craig Chunglo, Eric Lunsford, Ty Prunty, Feeling Good Lewis, Ziga Paradzik, Nick Westbrook, John Mahoney, Crystal Eggstead, Zolea, and Barry Fergus. Hey, BSers. Thanks for all the support over all this time. We really appreciate it. Hey, don't forget BSercon. It's coming up in January. Head over to gamingnbs.com forward slash BSercon. That's B-S-E-R-C-O-N. Make sure you buy a badge. That'll allow you to register for events. We're also taking event submissions. There's concerns about having too many Game Masters. Can you believe that? Anyways, head over to gamingandbs.com forward slash BSRCon. Participate. It's January 28th to the 30th, virtually online. Thanks, BSRs! This, this has, has been, been a Litterbox, Litterbox Studio, Studio production. production.